Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 207. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorina coming at you live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall. Guys, it's tax season. If you're in the South Jersey area, you should only be going to one person. That's Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC. And, of course, our friends at the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland and show powered by our friends at Design Tree. What's going on, Matt? It is February 1st, 2020. Yeah, we breeze through January, which is easily the worst month of the year because there's nothing to look forward to. It's just cold. Um, and now, February, you start thinking, like, oh, we're almost in spring. So, And it's the shortest month of the year, although this year's a little different. A little leap year, leap year action this year. And uh, we actually get to host a show on Leap Year Day, which will be fun later on this month. But uh, got a lot to talk about. Uh, it's obviously a Sixer Saturday. It's our upcoming birthday week, our anniversary coming up on uh, this coming Friday. And uh, the Super Bowl is also tomorrow. And we'll have an update on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame and put out the next ballot here on the show. But Matt... Welcome to the season, boys and girls. Like we said, it's February 1st. The trade deadline is upon us, and uh, the Sixers end up dropping another game in Atlanta because just like the Oklahoma City Thunder, they just can't beat the Hawks in Atlanta or just beat the Hawks in general. Uh, just a, a tough loss to kind of stomach after, you know, a, a couple really quality wins. Yeah, I mean, this team struggled early in the season against Atlanta um, had a pretty courageous comeback against them and uh, wasn't able to do it this time uh, Trey Young went very very nuclear this game and that was a, a big reason why we ended up losing here and you know Trey Young has done that to a lot of teams this season that's why he's going to be starting in the all-star games because he's had a great year but um, you know you can't let a guy get to the line 20 times in a game uh, that's just uh any, anyone not named James Harden get in the line that much? You you really need to reconsider uh, your defensive sort of uh, scheme and and how your what your discipline is. Um, that was the big difference in this game. And yeah, I mean, just some uh, some bad execution, some sloppy play by the Sixers, which none of it is surprised when you consider how they've played on the road this season. And uh, this team has been like one and a half steps forward, one step back for a lot of this year where they're still making up positive ground overall, but it just feels like every time you get that half step, you go back one, and um, it's it's very frustrating because uh, it's it's minimal gains right now, and again, you know, you cut two or three of these just crappy road losses out of uh, out of the picture here, and 
you're in a much, much better position. And, you know, this was kind of a, a gimme game. Uh, yeah, it's on the road, but they're a bad team, and you're about to go into probably the hardest part of your schedule all season um, when you consider the strength of opponent and that it's all on the road. So you, I think we really needed this one uh, just to, to kind of um, make up for any any damage that's done here as, as you go on this little road trip. And, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very frustrating loss, but it's also not entirely surprising because Atlanta is a team we've always kind of struggled with, and also just the road in general has been a, a real nightmare for the Sixers this season. Yeah, and this game was kind of determined by the bench. Uh, obviously, the, the Hawks bench showed up and performed, and, of course, Trey Young went nuclear, as he always seems to do against the Sixers, but... Sixers bench combined for 14 points, and 11 of those 14 points came from our guy, Mike Scott. You had zeros from Howell Neto after his uh, you know, dominant performance against the Lakers. Furkan Korkmaz with an 0 for in 21 minutes is hard to believe just how he's played this year. Mike Scott, obviously, we said 11 points in 19 minutes. That's a very good Mike Scott game considering you know this tough stretch he's been through. Uh, Zaire Smith with one point, and James Ennis with two points in six minutes. Seems like he's still in Brett's doghouse, and Kylo Quinn can't buy a minute even without Horford not playing in this game. Very interesting stuff there. And then, of course, the one bright spot was this was the Shake Milton game, even in a loss. 27 points in 35 minutes for Shake. Yeah, that that's an impressive thing to take out of this, is Shake, uh, someone that Sixers were kind of high on in the summer, it seemed, when you consider the contract they gave him and... Uh, the the noise outside of the organization about him being the the number two point guard pretty much, and this was a, a good performance from him. And he had you know he had a good game against the Lakers as well. Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't a you know anything outstanding, but it was it was a good game. This was another really strong performance from him. And you know I guess that's a positive you can take out of this is you're you're seeing some uh, some extra work from someone you, you really didn't expect it from. You know Shake has been pretty invisible for all of this season um you know we didn't hear his name for you know two and a half months pretty much so to have him back now sort of contributing again is good um but yeah i mean when you have Korkmaz and neto not performing to any kind of uh, good standard even Embiid kind of had an off night um not particularly surprising considering he's still i think you know working his way back from injury and um you know he had a he had a rough night from the line, which is mm-hmm. not typical of him. Um, and so even he, with that, he still had 21 and 14. Yeah, so. but, you know, you expect Embiid to have, you know, that's like a below average yeah. night for him, frankly. Um, you know, and, and, yeah, I mean, all around is just, again, just bad execution by the Sixers. And it's just, uh, it, it's hair-pulling kind of stuff because it's just so frustrating. Uh, and it constantly, it seems like we're making the same kind of mistakes and Trey Burke is still in the wilderness. I'm not sure when we'll ever see him again. Free Trey Burke. I don't get it, um, especially, again, when this organization has committed to his future. Like someone like Kylo Quinn, sure, where it's like still up in the air about if he's going to be on this roster in the next three weeks, fine. You know, like, I get it. Uh, Jonah Bolden, same category. But, like, Trey Burke you've committed to. Like, there's really – there's there's n- like you, you, you're you're paying the guy. You might mm-hmm. as well play him. I don't, I don't get he's it. He's played well, like when he's out there. I don't know. Very, very odd. And uh, I, I think we've been stamping that for the last month now that Trey Burke could use more minutes. But you know what can you do? Uh, you just hope that tonight. I mean, it's tough going up against Boston, but you know it's a, a hopefully a, a good chance to to turn it around. And I mean, this team is 
played very well against the top teams in the East. The only issue is it's on the road, but this is one of the few road wins we've had this season was going into Boston and doing it. So, you know, you can't really count the Sixers out, and Horford uh, should be back tonight. Um, obviously still no Josh Richardson, which, you know, you have to keep in mind when you talk about uh, some of these losses that will be coming up and some of the performances that you're still missing another starter again. So don't get, you know, too concerned uh, because it's this isn't really – what the Sixers image is but yeah I mean it's it, it's just a continuation of a really bad uh away policy it seems of just sloppy turnover sloppy play uh guys going missing when you really need them and that's that's ultimately very frustrating. T. Seibel only had three points in this game which was also you know a rough spot there um you know it, it was the road woes again, and I don't know what has to be done to fix it. We've talked about this multiple times uh, throughout this month of January, but um, it was a tough one. Do you think Joel Embiid came back too soon? Uh, no, because uh, I, I think as uh, as long as he's he's healthy and been cleared to come back, uh, then you know I, I don't I don't really question that. We're not in the days anymore where we have to worry about is Embiid out there because this organization wants to milk him for for money, like which was an actual scenario we've had with him. Um, I think he was he's genuinely good to be back, but it's still you know he's still playing you know with an injury, like it's not completely healed, right. right? Like, and he was on really the advanced side of the bell curve for coming back. Like, you know, his injury wasn't going to have him out long, but the the window was around two weeks to six weeks, and he was right around two weeks to be back so you know it's it's gonna be probably a little bit of rust just starting off and um you know but he he's had a pretty this is a pretty good matchup for him and the Warriors were a pretty good matchup for him and you'd expect him to do better um you know again against the Hawks they don't really have that kind of interior presence but you know it, it he didn't have like you said he didn't have an off night but you know we've certainly seen him play better dominate more games um but Ben had a fantastic night certainly can't fault him even Tobias had a, had a strong night again um just overall you know I, I think defensively is where the Sixers faltered which um you know is frustrating because you know typically if this team is scoring 117 points they should be winning yes. nine out of ten games uh just considering you know they average I think like 104 uh against them a night so to to not come away with a win regardless of that is um you know frustrating but you know, when you go up against someone like Trey Young it's always a threat you know and uh guards like him have continually burned the Sixers regardless of how good defensively they are whether they have great individual defensive players a great sort of defensive scheme overall Trey Young and, and you know the Kemba Walkers of the world have always just torched the Sixers and that's I think that's more than anything what what got us I don't know that we played that terribly like we've had worse road performances uh, this year um I just think uh this was more falling falling victim to a really hot night by a, a quality player and just not organizing ourselves defensively enough to stop him which is you know not something that we've seen uh, typical of the Sixers this year. Normally, we've we've limited the damage from these guys. I, I think there's been very few nights where guys have kind of had these really really hot games against us, um, and you need to, you know, kind of understand that. I guess that's going to happen. You know, like you're going to have games where guys just on the other team take over and kind of throw your hands up, but um, should be beating this Hawks team. That's it's not an excuse. Absolutely, like you said tonight. The Celtics on the road. Um, we won't have Josh Richardson, but questionable for this game. 
uh, Kemba Walker, who is a notorious you know Sixers killer, and uh, Enos Cantor also questionable. Not sure if they're going to play yet. We'll see. You know, as game time gets closer tonight, but. If Kemba doesn't play tonight, that's a huge boost for the Sixers, in my opinion, just because of his history against this team. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, even when he doesn't have his, like, you know, 35-plus kind of nights, he always seems to come up with just the the big play, always seems to get these and ones um, against this. Like, he just played, I mean, and that's just a credit to him as a player. Mm-hmm. It's not just against the Sixers that he's like that. But, yeah, he's, um, he's uh, an impressive player. And, I mean, the Celtics, obviously, a strong team. But this is... This is the part in the schedule where the Sixers are going to have to, you know, really buckle down. Eh? And not, not to be cliche about it, but I mean, this is this is ultimately, I think, what decides the season right here without being too grandiose here. But I, I genuinely do think this next stretch of games is where, you know, our fate is going to be determined because the clock is starting to tick on your ability to actually move up in the standings. And you're only going to have so many chances to directly influence it. You know, winning games on your own can only do so much when everyone else is, you know, only dropping one or two every ten games. Um, you know, when you have a shot at teams like the Celtics and the Raptors and the Bucks, you have to take those chances because you, you're only going to get so many. Now, of course, the Sixers have the negative and positive of the fact that they're a lot of those teams are divisional rivals, so they get more shots at them. But you, you have to take your chances against these teams and and really you know, make it, make your destiny be fulfilled the way you want it to. And um, that's going to be the, the big thing on this stretch now, you know, and I, I trust the Sixers to do it though, because, in, and I know that sounds strange and dumb uh, because the Sixers have shown more than anything that they can't be trusted on the road this year. But we just said that one of their only quality wins came against the Celtics. And, you know, they, they played the heat right after that and the heat, they lost a, a really close overtime game on a back to back. Like, you know, and again, this isn't me making excuses for this team because it's inexcusable how bad they mm-hmm. how bad they've been on the road. But when you actually look at the the losses um, against like top teams on the road, the only one that is completely inexcusable and I think is the worst loss of the season, really, just all context considered, was the Pacers game. Yes, because um, that was the one that Sixers were completely out of it competitively. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. This team is is such a, a different team when they're on the road. We know that now. It's, it's so well established, but I think you kind of have to keep the faith and hope that they can get it done. And the talent is there. I, I think it's just execution. I think some of it is luck, um, but I, I have a strange feeling, actually, that this road trip could be good to us. So here is your February schedule for the Sixers. <laughs> Tonight against Boston, in Boston, obviously. Uh, Monday, down in Miami against the Heat. And then Thursday... Uh, in Milwaukee against the Bucks, so that that three game gauntlet uh, right before the trade deadline, and then you get the back to back coming home Friday. Matt and I will be at this game against John Morant and the Grizzlies, uh, and then you get the Bulls at home on Sunday, and then Tuesday the Clippers come to town, also known as the Sixers doppelgangers. Uh, I believe that's Landry's first game back at Wells Fargo Center, if I'm not mistaken. I think it is. Uh, so that'll be cool to see uh, Landry back in Philly. Then the Nets come to town to wrap up that four-game homestand. And then you go back to Milwaukee on the 22nd of February. The Hawks come to Philly on the 24th. Then you go to Cleveland, take on the Cavaliers. Then the Knicks come in on the 27th. And that is your February schedule for the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, we 
we kind of forget too that the Sixers have one of the top five easiest schedules, uh, you know, remaining in in the league. So that's that's a positive for them. Some teams like Boston have uh, pretty hard schedules when you look at their the strength of schedule, like the win percentage of teams they're facing. So that's a positive for the Sixers. And um, yeah, they they had a pretty tough tough uh, you know first half of the season. Although we're a little past the halfway mark now, but. Um, there's no, there's no reason that the Sixers can't have, you know, a really positive year like last month and a half, and that's, that's I think what you kind of have to be uh, hopeful for really is, um, and there's no, for me, there's, there's no sense in being overly negative about this team because to me, their strengths and weaknesses are so well known and so well understood that. It's kind of a, a fruitless effort to really yes. even get upset about either one, um, especially their weaknesses. We know this team is not good on the road, and we know this team, some games offensively, can be really clunky and that they don't have that you know more established ball handler, someone who can create their own shot. You know, every team has a weakness, though. I, I think so much has been made about what doesn't work in Philly that everyone kind of forgets what does work in Philly, and that's what we've seen perennially with this team this season is that in the last five minutes, it's very hard to score against this team when they're locked yep. in, and they've done that to really, really good teams. And that, to me, is a sign of, of a team that you do not want to be facing in the playoffs. Um, I think if we do end up as a six seed, we will be one of the most difficult and most uh, unwanted six seeds in, in kind of recent history because we're, we're very strong, built for playoffs type of team. Um, but ultimately, you know, you rack up the regular season wins in, the, in this last stage of the season and you get yourself in a better position. We know what this team is like at home. We know it's complete night and day, and you hope that that's enough. But yeah, I mean, there's very winnable games in there. Obviously, we have this tough stretch we're in right now, but, you know, you're facing a lot of kind of bottom-of-the-barrel teams in there. You have at least five games like that um, and sprinkled in some really good tests for the team, which is ultimately really important. But for the most part, yeah, this should be a, you know, you know, 650 winning percent kind mm-hmm. of month. This should be a, an overall positive month for the Sixers, I feel. But, you know, <laughs> let's see what happens on the court, I guess. And honestly, like you, you look at it, you got the Grizzlies, the Bulls, and the Nets all at home, and you put the Clippers in there too. Give me, you know, a three and one home stand. You know, if not, assert your dominance and go four and zero oh at home. That's a big chunk of your schedule right there. Uh, say you split with the Bucks because you play them twice, and then the Hawks, Cavaliers, and Knicks to end, you know, the month. You should easily be in that six fifty seven hundred. Yeah. Uh, you know, win percentage, and then all of it kind of comes down to this three-game road trip against these three top teams that the Sixers have been very good against all season long. Yeah, I mean, they've all, each one of these teams, the Sixers have blown away at some point in the season, um, which can't be forgotten. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I, you know, again, so much has been made about what makes them weak, and everyone has forgotten that opening night and on the road in Boston, blow out the Celtics, handed the Bucks their worst loss of their season to date still, and in completely prime frustrated. Time in prime on time on Christmas Day, completely dominated that team. Blew out the heat in Jimmy Butler's prime return game. Time, ESPN. Big like, buildup, and this was when the heat were really rolling in the yep. beginning of the season, and just absolutely Silence laid a smackdown. Like, it, that's what I'm saying. It's like everyone has forgotten that these games just happened. You know, and some of that is because, you know, two of those games happened in October and November, but still, like, this team has has performed really well against the top teams in the East, and everyone likes to forget that. And, yes, the, the obvious issue is that this team can't play well on the road and really hasn't, but, you know, I, 
I do feel some of that is just general unluckiness and some of that is there is some genuineness to the fact that this team has some kind of preparation issue something something is not right when they go on the road but I I have a lot of trust and faith in this team and I'm sure it'll burn me (laughs) I'm sure I'll be very frustrated by that but um you know I, I think that's I've always been generally much more positive about the Sixers than I would say most people most Sixers fans are just because the team is great and I recognize that and um, I recognize that there are a lot of other great teams but they also have their weaknesses too Um, you know Boston we know does not have an interior presence and we know that the Sixers are like a top three rebounding team in in the league not many other top teams in the East have that kind of ability and when you can dominate the boards like that you can control the tempo of games and make teams play your style the Sixers are going to be able to do that and not that that's Cantor, really important in the playoffs and not if not that Cantor does that because he's not really you know physical you know in the paint but if he doesn't play Embiid should have a free for all tonight should should you know yeah and will it, it happen we'll see yeah. but you know he and Horford should be able to dominate tonight if Cantor is in or out yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, I'm really looking forward to this road streak. I shouldn't because I feel like we could go 0-3, and I wouldn't be, uh, like, overly shocked if we did. Um, I would be a little surprised if we went 0-3 on this. I think we, we get at least one win here. But, you know, I, I'm excited to see us play, like, the top teams and, and really test ourselves. For me, that's fun as a fan, um, and I think we'll get a lot more information about this team over the next week. And we'll have a much better understanding of their actual ability in the playoffs. Like this, this again, I think is a, it's not like a turning point in the season, but I think this will be an important kind of bullet point mm-hmm. in the season review um, before the playoffs of like, okay, early February, you know, really tough three game road stretch. The Sixers went two and one and really showed that they can beat strong teams in the East. Right? This, this could be a definitive place marker that the Sixers put on you know themselves going forward or it could be a continuation of what we've seen which is this team on the road just isn't very good um i think we'll probably get a little bit of a mix of that i think i think this team will perform well they certainly haven't been blown out on the road they've just again outside of the pacers just bad yeah bad execution and and just sloppy play that you don't really you haven't seen at home and and part of that is rhythm and part of that is familiarity familiarity and part of that is that Every Philly sports team pretty much has an impressive home record when you compare them to the rest of the mm-hmm. league. Um, I'm sure that's just a coincidence, of course. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, I I'm really looking forward to this three game stretch. Yeah, and you look at you know the standings right now. Obviously, the Bucks are leaps and bounds ahead in in first place in the East, but the Sixers are the sixth seed right now, and they're just four games back of the two seed. You know, and you look at the three seed where the Celtics are; they're two games back of the three seed. Like. This stretch of Celtics, Heat, and Bucks could really shake up the standings if the Sixers, you know, do their job and you know win these games and and show that they are capable of just continuing to dominate against the top talent in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and like I said, I I, I love watching this team play other great teams. I like that the East is obviously. I would love it if the Sixers were the only good team in the right. NBA and they had the easiest path possible to the finals. But I also like that there is genuine competitiveness. I like that there's other good teams that you can watch and that you get to see your team test themselves against them. Like I enjoy that. I, I enjoy the competitive nature that we have right now in basketball, where we ha- legitimately have ten teams mm-hmm. that. If you told me any one of those teams won a championship the year, this year, I don't no, think my eyebrows up. would go, you know, highly raised. But like, yeah, I could see it. You know, there's, I think there's really probably only four or five that have, uh-huh. you know, the strongest chances. But 
it, it is a little bit of anyone's game this year, and um, I, I and think it's fun, especially since you know once LeBron left the East, everybody was like, "Oh, the East is going to be so easy." I think it got that much better. You oh, know, absolutely! It, it is just so fun to watch, and having a competitive conference on both ends—the West being competitive and the East being competitive—just makes the league that much better. Yeah, it's it's good for the NBA to have um, parity. You know, the, the last few years have been. It's been interesting from, like, a historical standpoint of being able to say, you know, yeah, like, I remember the Cavs and Warriors series. I remember that Warriors team, and, you know, that'll be, like, an interesting kind of bullet point in NBA history. But in terms of watching the regular season, you knew the Warriors were coming out of the West. Uh, The Cavs were not really tested in the last, like, two seasons of of their run um, in the East, you know, and uh, that's... That was kind of it for the regular season. It felt very established. Um, but, you know, now, you know, yes, the Lakers and Bucks, you know, I, I certainly have performed a level above most teams in the NBA this season. But, you know, in in L.A.'s own city, you know, you have the Clippers that I think are, are a real, could be a real problem in the playoffs. Like, and I just think that's, that's what makes the NBA exciting this year for me. All-Star game is obviously coming up as well, which means the Rising Stars game is coming up. And, uh, I don't recognize that game anymore. Our our son, Philly's own Matisse Thibel, was completely snubbed uh, from the Rising Stars game. And uh, his agent had one of the best statements on behalf of Matisse, I think, in the history of sports. Um, this comes from Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports. Uh, so Matisse's agent, Eric Goodwin, said, Matisse plays to win. He does what his team needs him needs of him. He's happy for every player that made the Rising Stars game. But I would be lying if I said if I didn't say he was pretty disappointed. He's one of the league's top defenders and is amongst the league leaders in steals and blocks from the guard position. Sad reminder that defense no longer has substance in the new NBA. Shame on the on the league's assistant coaches. Eric Goodwin. I love it. Um, yeah, it sucks. Uh, and it's one of the few times I've actually agreed with Kevin O'Connor uh, about any of his Sixer-related takes, <laughs> um, in which he said it was a complete snub, and it is. Um, he absolutely deserves to be there. He's one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and he just so happens to also be a rookie. Um, that should earn him a spot there. Like, if, if someone was being as good as he is defensively on offense— they would have a case to be an all-star <laughs> like you know like yes uh, obviously he's not he doesn't give you everything offensively that you maybe would want um but you know it's it's it just sucks you know he he deserves to be there in my opinion obviously we're biased because we're Sixers fans but I do think there's a genuine consensus that yeah like Thibel should be in this game and that's a that's fun to watch because he's great in transition yes like a rising star challenge and all-star game you do kind of want more offensive laden like players um because you want to see just some more fun you want to see some like deep shots some some athleticism things like that but he has plenty to offer in that regard so um it sucks and he he deserves to get that kind of recognition but i guess it's also nice that uh he got snubbed and people are pissed off about Mm -hmm. it and Um, not just sixers fans and not just sixers fans that there is like sort of a national attention of like well he should be there um but you know what can you do right it's it's Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal. Um, it'd be great for him to be there. I think it'd be a great experience for him. Obviously, great for the organization to have another player represented during All-Star Weekend. But, you know, you kind of just have to throw your hands up. Here is the uh, Redacted Stars uh, roster for the U.S. team. Miles Bridges, Wendell Carter Jr., who will not play in the game because he's injured. 
uh, Devontae Graham, Tyler Hero, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, Kendrick Nunn, Eric Paschal, Villanova, uh, P.J. Washington, Zion Williamson, who has played in five games, uh, and Trey Young. The world team, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, DeAndre Ayton, R.J. Barrett, Brandon Clark, Luka Doncic, Shea Gillis-Alexander, Rui Hachimura, uh, Svi, <laughs> Josh Okogi, and Mo Wagner. It's, yeah, I mean, you look at some of those names, especially on the U.S. team, like, come on. <laughs> like, I get why Zion is in this game, but at the same time, you can't help but roll your eyes because it's like, I think even the Pelicans are probably like, yeah, we actually don't want him there. We want him yeah. to kind of uh, rest. just rest and uh, not, you know, in, I don't know. like it, Three guys from Charlotte? Three? Yeah, it, it's like, come on. You know, like, what are we? What are we actually doing here? Uh, I, I, and I feel like for especially Thibault's case too, is that he is a solid contributor on a you know playoff team, a team that could be contending for a championship this year. And I get that you know, not every rookie. They, that's not that's not necessarily fair to someone like you know, like Pascal is on the Warriors this year, right? He's having a great season, but part of that is because the Warriors suck. And yes. he's getting so much time, whereas Thibel, it's harder to get 17 to 20 minutes a night on the Sixers' current mm-hmm. roster than it is getting 17 to 20 minutes on the Warriors. You know, like, it's, it, to me, it's like, that's where also it's like, okay, well, this dude is making legitimate plays and, and contributions on a, on a very strong team. He mm-hmm. should be represented here. And it's it's also strange because you don't know which <laughs> roster he would have been on, too, obviously. With, yeah. With his Australia ties. He's kind and, of up in the air. Um, you know, his there's rumors that he might play for Team Australia uh, coming up. So, well, Serena Winters uh, had that article which featured very, very cute baby yes. thigh bull pics. Um, the internet thanks you very much for your contribution. <laughs> Thank you, Serena. Um, ben Simmons also finally named to the All-Star team, obviously as a reserve, but uh, Ben gets in, so it's good to see Joel and Ben getting to go to uh, All-Star weekend together because, you know, they don't you know, like each other apparently, but you know, Joel came up to Ben to congratulate him on being named to the All Star roster. So, congrats to Ben Simmons uh, being named to yet another All Star roster. Very well deserved. Ben is should be you know first team All Defensive you know NBA this season for how he's played. People want to you know bitch and complain about you know him not shooting threes, but I think Ben has had a very very good year. Uh, to this point so far for the Sixers. It's not even uh, an opinion. He has had, you know, he, he just has. And anyone who thinks otherwise is biased. You you have something... Some like, agenda about... You have some agenda, you have some, you know, opinion that you're not letting go of to, to think more clearly about Ben's year. Um, if he was on any other team, we'd be saying, of course he has his weaknesses in his game. It's the most well-known thing in all of sport. It's like such a lazy... Lazy narrative at this point. Like we get it, he can't shoot, uh, but what he can do is do everything of every other part of the game at an extremely high and elite level, which few players can do. And he's been, yeah, absolutely spectacular on defense. We saw shades of that in the playoffs last year, um, and that has only continued through the regular season this year. And I'm excited to see him in the playoffs again this season, um, and even offensively. You know, he's he's done more that uh, of the type of things that we've asked of him is. Obviously, we want him to shoot the ball, but we've also said 
okay, if you're not going to shoot, at least, like, be aggressive. Like, go to the rim. Like, you are such a great finisher. You're one of the fastest guys in the league. Like, not even just in transition. Like, even in the half court. Like, you can make this work for yourself. Like, get to the rim. And we've seen that more from him in the past few weeks. Right? And part of that has been because Embiid's out, you know, obviously. But, you know, even against Atlanta, he got he got quite a few fouls and was able to attack the rim. And that's the type of aggressiveness you want from Ben. Um, you know, he's a very tenacious player on defense. You want to see more of that offensively. And frankly, I think for him, it's a little bit of, of confidence in stepping out of his comfort zone. Um, I think he, he likes defense because it's quote-unquote safer you know like there's no real expectations like there is when he's handling the ball um and then yeah you know like we've seen that leak over a little bit in the offensive side of the game which i think can only be good for him and he has attempted three this year technically he's done it and he's made them so you know we've asked him to do these things and he has he's done one of them in like the smallest percentage you can but he i think he has been more aggressive at the rim this year yeah and it's it's good to see him get rewarded uh, for his efforts so far, and he's a great player to watch in the yeah. All Star game. Like he's like so, like he's so one fun. of the most ideal All Star game players you could ask for. He's gonna do it all, and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Um, and obviously, they announced that the All Star game will uh, have a lot of Kobe Bryant tributes in it. Uh, Team Giannis and uh, Team LeBron will be wearing, you know, twenty four and eight. Um, so that's really cool to see the NBA also paying tribute to Kobe uh, in the All Star game. But one last Sixers note. The, uh, the Mike Scott Hive announced yesterday uh, that there will be an All-Star Game watch party uh, in Philly hosted by Mike Scott and Red Bull Hoops. Hashtag not a sponsor of us, but they are sponsoring the event. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, you know go bowling and, and hang out with Mike Scott uh, in Philly to watch the All-Star Game. So shout out to everybody that made that possible. I know it's been in the works for uh, quite some time now, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll be in the building for it. So it's going to be uh, a fun all-star weekend hanging out with uh Mike Scott with some bowling. So moving on, Matt, uh it's Super Bowl weekend. The Super Bowl is finally here. It feels like it's been ages since we've had football. Uh you know, it's it's finally time for the prop bets. I okay, so I already I already bet six uh <laughs> props. What, for what the do game. we got? Uh, I should have brought my phone down with me. Um I know that I picked Patrick Mahomes over 23.5 completions. That feels to me like a lock. Uh, Over 1.5 touchdowns thrown. Um, And then I had really good odds on two other ones. God, I should have brought my phone with me. But uh, I I use, not a sponsor, I use DraftKings Sportsbook, and they had like a whole section on props. I just scrolled through yesterday, just picked some that I like. I like props, and especially Super Bowl ones, because it makes the game more interesting, especially when it's like, um, oh, I did my favorite ones. Uh, the two-minute uh, drill, two-minute uh, warning actually occurring at two minutes for okay. both halves. I bet no, or did I say yes? I don't know. <laughs> one of the two. I bet one of them. There's only two <laughs> options. Um, just goes to show how invested I got. <laughs> uh, I think I bet no on on both of them for both halves, and it was like really good, strong odds. I was like, eh, worth a shot. Um, yeah, like I like those silly kind of props. Uh, nothing, you know, nothing too crazy. So uh, this is via an article from Forbes. Uh, There's obviously the coin toss prop bet and uh, from NFL Research. Teams that win the coin toss are 24 and 29 all time in the Super Bowl. Teams to win the coin toss have lost five consecutive Super Bowls. The Seahawks uh, in Super Bowl 48 were the last team 
to win the coin toss and be crowned champions. Wow. That was over five Super Bowls ago. Jesus Christ. That was the outdoor that, one. Oh, man. In New Jersey. Yeah, in New Jersey. Um, and that one was over by the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Obviously, the Gatorade bath is everybody's, uh, you know, one of their favorites. Um, the... You know, past couple Super Bowls we've seen clear four times, which was from 05 to 08. We saw orange in 2010, 2011, 2014, and 2016. We saw yellow in 2001, 2009, and then with the Eagles in 2018. Uh, blue only twice uh, in 2015 and 2019. Purple twice in 2003 and 2012. And then none in 2002, 2004. 2013 and 2017. So pretty much Patriots Super Bowls, aren't they? Not, surpri- not surprising that they don't have fun. <laughs> uh, and here are the current odds for the Gatorade shower for 2020. We've got purple at plus 120, red at plus 300, yellow slash green at plus 375, clear slash water at plus 700, orange at plus 750, none at plus 900, and then blue coming in at a whopping plus 1,100. I just remembered one of my other prop bets. Uh, uh, Bosa over 0. 0.5 uh, sacks. Oh, that I figured like he, he's very likely to get at least one sack in this game. But, yeah, I mean, the Gatorade stuff, that's always fun, too. It's like, just, just throw, like, five bucks on it, you know, see what happens. It's, you know, it just makes the game a little more interesting. Super Bowl is, like, a, for me, is, like, more than just... The game, like everyone tunes in for the commercials, of course. My issue with some of these prop bets, though, now, especially since sports betting is, you know, being much more widely legalized across America, is especially the uh, anthem is like very riggable. <laughs> like, there's nothing stopping any given year of whoever sings the anthem just placing like the house on them finishing it under or over and then just manipulating it to go under or over. Like, you know. Not that I'm the first person to have these thoughts, but some of these are like, yeah, like, I feel like, you know, we're, we, we could get into some dangerous territory, or oh, even yes. some of the players where it's like, you know, like, Patrick Mahomes has, like, unbelievable odds to, to throw, like, an interception. It's like, well, what if he just threw an interception? Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's, you know, this is, I know this is, like, some people's, like, pearl-clutching response to sports gambling being legal, but, like... There does seem to be some, especially mm-hmm. these prop bets, where it's like, I feel like if, like, a, again, the, the the anthem one is even a player base, like, right? Like, yeah. it, even something with the Gatorade, it's like, yeah, like, Anything, a, a player lifts lids, like, oh, this one. Because <laughs> my cousin has however much <laughs> on, you know, purple being it. Right. Uh, and here's a, an entire rundown from the Washington Post. So, uh, speaking of the anthem, will Demi Lovato complete the national anthem in less than two minutes? A yes or no prop bet there. There's an interesting one that was... Uh, a scoring drive shorter than the national anthem. Oh, uh, that is a good one. You consider, especially the nature of the Chiefs' offense, is a, is a fun one. That is a really fun one. Uh, obviously, what will the result of the coin toss be? Will there will there be a score in the first six and a half minutes? Of Usually, the game? there is not. Yeah, I think if like five out of the last six years or four out of the last five, there has not been a score. Last year sucked. Um, yes, but typically not one that hits. I think if the Chiefs win the toss and get the ball to start the game, there will be. Because I think I heard a stat where uh, Patrick Mahomes, this playoffs, I believe, has had the ball 18 times for 18, like, you know, drives. And the Chiefs have scored on 13 of them. And the only reason they didn't score on five was because of drops. So 
take that into account there. Uh, there's obviously the how will the first points be scored, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal slash safety. Um, this one's a fun one. What will the jersey number of the first player to score a touchdown be? 1 to 24 mm-hmm. or 25 to 99? Um, who will score first in the second quarter is up on the board. How many points will be scored in the first quarter? Uh, the over-under is 26 and a half. I'd go under. I think I would too. Like that's. I think that's it's going to be a, a second half game. That's quite a bit for like the the Chiefs. Kind of a lot this season. I've actually had like a rough first quarter mm-hmm. and then like you know score like twenty seven in the second. Like it's not an unbelievable. I don't know. Everyone's kind of underrating the 49ers defense yes. a little a little bit here. Like this is one of the the better defenses in the league. I don't know. You know, obviously the Chiefs are you know one of the better offenses mm-hmm. in the league, but it's not like you know. I don't know. It's not like they're playing the Titans again, right? You know, like it's. It's going to be a little difficult for them. What will the largest lead by either team be over under at 14 and a half? I'd go under. I, I, don't, I don't think this is going to be a, a, a big, big margin. But how, will the short, uh, how long will the shortest made field goal be over under at 27 and a half yards? That's a rough one. That's an interesting one. I think with this one I would go over because I don't think either team is going to settle for oh, that short of a Just remembered my other prop bet. Uh, a team to, was it attempt or score a two-point conversion? I think score uh, yeah. a two-point conversion. Um, I feel like both of these teams are Could, teams yeah. that would absolutely go for that in any given situation. So, yeah, give me that. How many players will attempt to pass over under at two and a half? Obviously, we've seen Travis Kelsey throw passes in games. We've seen Emmanuel Sanders do it before an interesting one there uh here's a fun one because obviously two of the top tight ends in the league who will have more receiving yards travis kelsey or george kittle kittle because apparently the uh 49ers are one of the best teams against tight ends so i would i would give most most of those favors to kittle will jimmy garoppolo attempt at least 29 and a half passes no <laughs> will patrick mahomes gain at least 30 and a half rushing yards that is that's a tough one that is very dependent on that's hard to say i would go under i think the under is safer but he could i mean theoretically could you know that that's like two big scrambles and then you know just you know a few like smaller ones to kind of hang in there like you could convince yourself but i think under how long will the game's longest touchdown be over under at 47 and a half yards this is like the ultimate teaser because it's like immediately you think of the Chiefs and Tyree yes. Kill like going long, but like the actual odds of that, like I don't know, like it's not. I don't know. I would go under. Obviously, it's not fun to go under, yeah. but it, it. I just I feel like under is the safer option. Will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? I think it's I could see a decent it. chance of that. Uh, which team will score last? Chiefs or 49ers? Uh, will the point? Will the total points scored be odd or even? That's always a fun one to kind of predict. Uh, and obviously, which team uh, will win the game? And then tiebreaker, total points scored by both teams. Uh, and then obviously you have those like degenerate made-up ones where it's like, you know, you tie it in with other sports and will this person score, you know, this many points at plus six and a half. I yeah. think I heard one where it was like Zion Williamson's first quarter points plus six and a half to, uh, you know, Yards by the 49ers. I think um, one I heard was Luka Doncic's overall points minus four and a half to the Chiefs' overall points. Um, 
which is an interesting one. Yeah, that the, is interesting. The, the same day sports like parlays and all that. Sorry, lad. Like that's when your head starts spinning because yeah. it's like, oh man, they, like you're counting on a lot now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it's fun. I, I like I like throwing a, a few bucks down on just some bets and just makes the game a little more interesting. Last year, I thought it would make the Super Bowl more interesting, but made it, it worse. Just yeah, <laughs> I made it worse, and it was like, oh wow, this sucks. But hopefully, this year's a little better for us. Um, who do you got winning? Obviously, Andy Reid coaching in this one. Lots of former Eagles across the board in this game uh, on both teams. You got Lashawn McCoy, Stephen Wisniewski on the Chiefs. 49ers, you've got Jordan Matthews, who will probably not play in the game. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is on the coaching staff. There's a there's a lot of former Eagles ties in this one, but obviously the biggest one uh, is Andy Reid coaching for his first Super Bowl win that a lot of people think if he gets it, it, uh, it kind of solidifies him as a surefire Hall of Famer. I have the Chiefs winning. I want the Chiefs to win. I have a, a rooting interest in them. Uh, didn't bet on them, but I, I just... I want the Chiefs to, to win. I, I prefer them as a team. They've entertained me the last year and a half. Um, I wanted them to win last year as well, but they obviously fell in the, the championship game. Um, so I would love to see the Chiefs win. I'd love to see Andy Reid get a Super Bowl. I like Patrick Mahomes. There's a few Chiefs players I don't really care much for. Yeah, no. But overall, like, it's a, it's I like a passionate... Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I like Travis Kelsey. It's like a passionate fan base. It's nice to see them like rewarded for that. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think that'd be really cool. I'd like to see the Chiefs win. And it's, you know, the 100th anniversary. It's the 50th anniversary of uh, the trophy being named after the Chiefs' former owner for the AFC title. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be really fun to see the Chiefs win because it's been a really long time uh, since they've won. And, you know, I think the 49ers, as good as they've been in such a short amount of time, I think they'll be able to sustain it um, and be one of those teams where, you know, obviously you say, oh, we'll be here ba- back here next year, and then they don't get there. I think the 49ers are building something that will be sustainable and they'll be a perennial playoff team. You really don't know how much more time Andy Reid's going to spend in the NFL um, and just this Chiefs team in general sticking together. So I think the Chiefs uh, pull this one out. I think it's going to be an absolute shootout. I think we're going to see a lot of back-and-forth scoring and uh, you know Jimmy G going up against Patrick Mahomes is one of the better quarterback matchups we've had probably over the last decade. Yeah, um, it's it's going to be exciting either way. Uh, I think it, hopefully, I'm really hoping uh, it can't get much worse than last year. Frankly, I, I think the the bar is set pretty low for them. Um, so should you know should get something better than that. But as long as it's exciting and um, you know it's not like a terrible game like last year, I'm not that I'm not that worried. Um, even if the 49ers win, it's not like you know anytime the Patriots win a Super Bowl and uh, you just don't want them to win like. Either team wins, and I'm I'm not really upset about it. I don't really have uh, an interest in either one of them losing. For sure. And uh, for full-blown extensive Super Bowl coverage, follow our guys at 4th and Goal USP. They just put out their you know, full-blown Super Bowl preview pod a couple days ago. It was very entertaining, so make sure you check that out. They are putting out absolutely incredible content for us and uh, will be our fantasy football and uh, you know NFL content overall you know league-wide moving forward uh also quick phillies note want to give a shout out to our boy cole Irvin. he uh is the ringleader of homeland gaming if you guys are not following them you should there's going to be a few announcements with them and us in the near future but shout out to cole obviously friend of the show listens to the show supports us and uh we hope you had a, a fantastic birthday 
And then the Phillies making some uh, minor moves, just adding to the roster, nothing of real note of uh, you know anybody that anybody really knows. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few days. Obviously, a lot of people's attention turning to Chris Bryant. Like we said, he lost his grievance. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But one thing we didn't touch on on Wednesday, just baseball-wise, Matt, is that uh, it was reported that the designated hitter position is more than likely on the way for the National League and could be here by 2021. Which is um, good news long-term for the Phillies. Like, everyone's already shoehorned Bryce Harper into that role, you know, in, like, 2028. 20, <laughs> um, People are shoehorning uh, Reese Hoskins into it ASAP. Yeah, well, I don't even know about that. <laughs> like, uh, we'll see what kind of uh, what kind of Reese we get this year before we make any claim like that. I mean, um, you wouldn't have to see Reese play the field and have uh, you know yeah, the unfortunate errors. That usually, you would want your designated hitter be uh, a hitter. But <laughs> I think I think when it comes to Reese, like if he only has to focus on just yeah. hitting alone, I think that's a big positive for him, and that's clearly his strong suit compared to fielding. And then it kind of opens up you know opportunities where. You can, you know, potentially move Alec Bohm to first base if he doesn't work out defensively at third. Opens up a, a, you know, a bit of opportunity for this Phillies roster long term. Even though I'm not a fan of the DH, um, I knew I know it's going to be inevitable, and it's about time that both leagues kind of share the same. Yeah, place. that's the thing is it is it always has been a little dumb that we've had like two pretty like. This isn't like a small thing. Like this is a pretty drastic stylistic change between the leagues, and it's always been a little dumb to me that it exists. Um, but baseball is weird like that, and has uh, it. It just doesn't make sense how you have different rules for the same game in the same league. Like, well, t- technically not same. You know what I mean? Right. Same overall league. It just right. that does not make sense to me. It really doesn't. It's it's really weird. And you know, playing two different styles of rules in the World Series, and depending on what ballpark they're at in the All Star Game depends on if there's a DH. And like now, dumb. obviously, they use the DH universally in the All Star Game, but it's been very weird. And you know, I knew it's it's kind of on its way. Um, but we'll see how that kind of works out. Obviously. Not until 2021 is the earliest date that has been reported, but in the long term, I'm okay with it because it's going to benefit the Phillies more importantly overall. Uh, whether it's you know Bryce down the line, JT Real Muto down the line, if he can no longer you know sustain catching, you just put him in the DH spot. I think he'd be a fantastic DH later on in his career. Um, you know, there's a lot of options for the Phillies to kind of just lengthen this batting order. Uh, with a designated hitter full time. Yeah, I mean it, it's a big advantage for for the Phillies. I will miss Aaron Nola hitting them. I will too. Like that's always fun. I'll miss the Vince Velasquez home runs. That's uh, yeah. We'll just put him in the field. He could be a test. That's true. <laughs> pitchers who rake. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing too is missing the pitchers who rake tweets because obviously you've had guys like Zach Granke and Madison Bumgarner, Clayton Kershaw, even Cole Hamels has hit home runs. And uh, people who have tweeted out Cole Hamels in the Braves jersey, please stop. It is absolutely an eyesore. Um, but, yeah, missing out on, on pitchers hitting. And I think just the overall strategy of, of National League Baseball has always intrigued me because, you know, it's been a manager's decision whether to pull a starting pitcher to put in a pinch hitter and, you know, going to the bullpen when uh, they feel is necessary. So I think that's one thing that's going to, you know, be lost from baseball when the DH comes into the, into the National League. But... Overall, I think it's just kind of one of those things that has to happen. 
yeah, it's better for this board that everyone's on the same page. Um, I would prefer it if it was the other way, where you know uh, the AL that gets rid of it and they, and they have to kind of uh, add, add, yeah, add that strategy. Whereas, you know, but I, I think ultimately it's probably better for the league in the sense that this is going to make it a little more watchable. Like, let's be frank, when a pitcher's up to bat, you know, it's not going to be good. Um, and you know, the more the more hits to a general audience and the more offense, the better. You know, now, it's going to keep the game moving smoother yes. too. Yeah, which, you know, we talk about uh, game speed, and, you know, that's been a clearly a very high priority, uh, as opposed to, you know, actual uh, <laughs> integrity of the game under, under Manfred. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but it, it, that is an aspect that I think you're always going to have to address. And this is this is one way to do it, by clearing up now, having an actual hitter, than just watching a pitcher go up there and absorb 10 pitches, and that's it. Definitely. And uh, to wrap up, the show we are going to give you guys an update on the hall of fame voting uh you guys are coming out in droves for the legends ballot um obviously we'll be announcing everything on uh friday on twitter and obviously we'll discuss it on the show on next saturday uh once everything wraps up but we also gave out our very first community award uh one thing that we talked about on this show is kind of just involving our community involving you know, people that make a difference and, and unify this fan base across the board. And we felt there was no better recipient this year than our uh, our little dude Giovanni, who really brought together an Eagles fan base this year when times were tough. Uh, he stayed positive, kept everybody's spirits up, and uh, we got a video back from him. And uh, he's the absolute man. And seeing just his face light up, you know, he was like, I've never been in a Hall of Fame before, but now I am, and it feels great. And, uh, you're an absolute legend, buddy. Keep doing you, and um, you know, congratulations and welcome to our Hall of Fame. But Matt, we're gonna put out the Phillies ballot live on the show. It's been a wild year of uh, you know Phillies baseball with our podcast. Uh, lots of events happened. Most notably, Bryce Harper coming to Philadelphia was uh, creme de la creme. Got us on the the Apple Podcast charts, so Bryce will always have a big connection with this show. But we also had, you know, JT Real Muto coming in. We had, you know, stupid money, and if we don't, we don't. As a a notable uh, Phillies line, that might be a a Hall of Infamy type thing there, but uh, if you had to think of, you know, three things to put on the ballot, and then we'll put, you know, a, a no vote as the fourth option. I think Bryce is a lock to be on there, but... Anything else you can think of Phillies-wise? Bryce Harper's walk-off Grand Slam, I think, is one of the the moments of the year for sure. Um, Yeah, I I do. I I would. I think Bryce has to be not only on the ballot, but I think is is the pick overall for the Phillies, just because you know he is he's the clear you know building block that the future of this Phillies team is going to be built around. And he's one of the biggest free agent signings in, in my lifetime uh, for any sport. So I, I think you asked me on that. But, I mean, that Grand Slam was one of the only, like, real bright spots out of the Philly season. Um, it was incredibly uh, exciting and energetic. And I think kind of uh, re-involved a lot of people in, like, the Philly season. And, fortunately, never really able to recapture uh, any of that winning or any of that kind of fervor. But... That has to be up there for me. I don't know if it quite makes the cut. I think I'd have JT as well. Like, he's, again, you know, you talk about building blocks. This guy is, like, yeah, the ultimate foundation for a team. Um, I would like to cut out any of the uh, 
the upper management just because I hate them. And, yes, I, yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if we can put Joe Girardi in just yet, although no. he was hired. I think that's something that, you know, when and if it comes would have to be on next year's ballot. Um, anything with Gabe Kapler come to mind. His uh, final season. Uh, His firing. <laughs> no, I, unfortunately, no. I don't think he did anything of. I think he did anything yeah. of note, positive or negative, in the, like last year. So it's not like it's hard to. It's hard to really point to anything that Gabe did that you could say, "Oh, that was a moment." You know, he he didn't even have really that many interesting press conferences. He just he just sort of mailed it in his last season, and I was like, "All right, whatever. <laughs> see you. See you never." Agreed. So we've got Bryce Harper, and I think I'll just encapsulate, you know, the home yeah. run, his arrival, everything. Uh, JT Real Muto, and then we just need one more because the last one will be no vote if you don't want to cast a vote for the, a Philly to get in. Like we said, you know, this year doesn't have to be somebody gets in from every ballot. Um, so if we had to think of one more. I mean, it says a lot about the Phillies kind last of, season. And, it's, and it's, it's weird, to... but I'm kind of thinking of the maroon throwbacks. Just as a a thing that happened, because it's the first time they wore them. They looked great. Yeah, we are. We're, we're, scratching, we're, scratching. we're scratching the bottom of the barrel <laughs> right now. Uh, um, we're getting splinters. We are. <laughs> and it sucks, because we got robbed of you know a full season of Andrew McCutcheon, who I think would have been you know a, a candidate on here and would have had some spectacular plays. Um you know, we had not that many debuts either. I, I would I would almost say Hector Neris. Um, okay. just because I think he was someone that was maligned a lot for the you know, the Philly struggles and last year he was one of our like five fantastic. best players. Like I tweeted the other day, I said, you know, Hector Neris gets, you know, undeserved, you know, slander and it's people just Certainly don't not have deserving that. from last year. Yeah. Last year he was consistency um, and and actual like ability was at the the upper levels of our entire roster, especially pitching. I mean, Jesus. Um, so yeah, I would put Naris in there. It was kind of a rebirth of a season for him, and I'm actually like excited to see him pitch this year, which uh, <laughs> you never would have said unless you were a masochist <laughs> in, in seasons prior. Um, so I, I would put Naris as like kind of a, a good turnaround uh, last season, and you hope that continues. So the ballot that we will tweet out right now. Includes Bryce Harper and his arrival, JT Real Muto, Hector Neris, or if you don't want to cast a vote, you'll just hit no vote. We will set this bad boy up and uh, see how it turns out. So the Phillies ballot is now live. It's Bryce Harper and Lanslay, let's be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to vote for Bryce because, you know, he did a lot just not even knowing it for this show. And uh, he's a, he's going to be a big part of this this city for the next twelve seasons now. Even though uh, this time last year he still was not on the roster yet, which is crazy to think about. And we, you know this off season I think has felt longer than yes. last season, and I think it's because we were kind of just waiting for Bryce, and we had kind of that Bryce Harper watch continuing to go through the entire month of February. Now it's kind of just like, all right, can we get to pitchers and catchers? Can we get to spring training? Like. It seems like the Phillies' moves are done um, outside of, you know, that that trade out of left field for Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado that I don't think will happen. Um, But we'll see what happens there. And, uh, yeah, so go vote in the Phillies' ballot. We'll put it up on Instagram, too, because we got a lot of uh, Instagram voters for the Legends' ballot. And uh, 
It's going to be a lot of fun. So, this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 207. As always, guys, brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC. It is tax season, guys. Go see my man Mark. Does everything for us when it comes to this business, and uh, he'll help you out big time with your taxes in 2020 and beyond. And of course, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland and powered by Design Tree. We had to move our Design Tree podcast around, um, so we'll keep you guys updated when we're going up there to do the Treehouse podcast. But uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, guys, at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Matt on Twitter, at MattCastArena. You can follow me on Twitter, at KBIZZL311. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. You can leave your uh, Hall of Fame ballot, you know, vote cast in your review. Or just let us know, you know, how you feel about the Sixers moving into the month of February. Your Super Bowl predictions. Uh, anything that comes to mind, five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and they are five stars only. And you can check us out on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check us out. And we'll be back on Wednesday uh, a little bit later. It'll be me and Dylan on Wednesday night uh, from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here on Facebook. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun pre NBA trade deadline talk, and then on Saturday we'll have our post-NBA trade deadline talk. If anything happens with the Sixers, we got you covered, and uh, we'll obviously be celebrating our two-year anniversary at Wells Fargo Center at the Sixers game. Myself and Matt will be there watching the Sixers take on the Memphis Grizzlies. So for everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, this has been episode number 207. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.